Father, we thank you today for the privilege of gathering as your people. We pray that you would fill our hearts and encourage us where we are broken and rebuke us where we are lazy. We ask, Father, that we would be those who love the Lord Jesus with all of our hearts and rededicate ourselves to his service because we pray in his name and for his glory. Amen. Well, as you walk into Lydie's church, there, I think, on the left is a cornerstone, and I've got a picture for you to see. And it's an amazing cornerstone where two verses have been chosen in 2015 when the congregation moved into the building. I don't know who chose these verses, but they are perfect as a description of what the vision of the church should be because they're taken from Matthew 11 and Matthew 28. Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. And then Matthew 28, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Together, these two verses describe the movement of the gospel. We are to come to Christ and find rest, which is salvation. And then having come to Christ, we are to go for Christ with that message of salvation to the world. It's a dual call. It's a double privilege. And so what we're going to do this morning is think about these two texts, which you've chosen or Rich Kapusta or somebody chose to put on the uh, cornerstone, and then use that as the framework from which we're then going to speak about the exciting vision we have as we look forward to next year. So first of all, who are we? And the answer of the gospel is that we are a people who have come to Christ. Matthew 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, upon me, sorry, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. The sense here is of a deep soul weariness. Here is a people weighed down under an unbearably heavy load. Maybe the picture is of a hiker in the Appalachian Mountains loaded with his backpack or knapsack with the full weights inside it. Some years ago, I went to Bedford in England. Bedford is home to John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress. He was a tinker. And we went into this museum and actually saw his anvil. And there was the name Bunyan on the anvil. And that anvil would have been carried in his backpack. And more than likely, it was the weight of that anvil as Bunyan the tinker went to houses to mend pots and pans that was the inspiration in Pilgrim's Progress for the burden which Christian carried. But the picture is of an unbearable weight and isn't this how our lives feel? The burden comes from a cumulative weight of stuff, physical ill health, emotional heartbreak, relational breakdown, scars from the past, the exhaustion of work, the hostility of the culture, the stress of life, 
the pain of parenting or caring for the elderly, the anxiety of our finances, the painful difficulty of old age. All of this, part of life in a fallen world outside the Garden of Eden. But there's more to see because the real burden Jesus is speaking of here is our guilt. Exposed by the perfect demands of the law we can't keep. The heavy burden here is the terror of the coming judgment. Or as the hymn puts it, the law's loud thunder and Mount Sinai's flame. The burden is the fear of judgment from a God I cannot satisfy. It's the helplessness as crushed by my guilt and shame, I see I cannot save myself and I'm weary and burdened by the guilt of my sin. The confession puts it like this, the burden is intolerable. But in verse 11, we have a wonderful command and a promise. And what is striking is the simplicity of both. The command is, come to me, says Jesus. And the promise is, I will give you rest. Rest here is not lying on the sofa watching the Super Bowl, though that is, of course, a very good thing to do. Rest here is salvation. It's the thing we were created for in Genesis 2 and are redeemed for. In the Old Testament, the people were heading for the land of rest, a perfect place flowing with milk and honey. And that land of rest was a picture of Jesus, the Lord of rest, who one day will take us into the eternity of rest, the new heavens and the new earth. A perfect place where in physical bodies, in a physical creation, we will enjoy perfection, where everything is only ever good all of the time. Augustine puts it like this, O God, you create us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. And as we come to Christ, he promises through his perfect life, saving death and triumphant resurrection, come to me with all of your burdens, guilt and shame, and I will give you rest. It's glorious. There are no 10 steps to inner peace, like the self-help book will tell us. There is no fourfold path to peace-giving enlightenment, like the Buddha founds. There are no five pillars of Islam, where you have to go to Mecca on the Hajj in order to find the rest of God-pleased religion. The call is not religion or to tradition, It is personal. It is a gift. It's about Christ. He says, come to me. And the question is, have you? This would be a great day to do just that. But this Vision Sunday, as we think about, you know, what's our vision for the church? We've kind of got to go back to basics and say that the vision is very simple. It's very basic. The vision is Christ. The vision is to come to Christ. And so often in church life, we're so busy with our structures, with our traditions, with the way that we've done things. It's very easy in every church to forget the basic and central components, which is the Lord Jesus Christ.
So what does it mean to come to him? He says this, take my yoke upon you. It's a very strange thing to say because it's borrowed from the agricultural world. And I didn't really understand it until actually a couple of weeks ago. We were, we were up in Lancaster and I ended up watching an Amish farmer tilling soil with their horses. It was an extraordinary picture. The yoke is really a means of governance or governments over the horse. And we watched as two horses effectively pulled the tiller uh, to till the soil. So to be yoked means to be under rule, under governance. That horse was not free to run off. It was actually under a, a structure or a governance. And the governance that we are under when we come to Christ is his word. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So to be evangelical means that we are under the evangel. And the evangel is the message of Scripture. So that the place of Scripture in our life is not down here on the floor where we step on it as if to say, I'm over it. And it's not over here when I live my life all the way over here ignoring it. Neither is it that I occasionally refer to God's word and then close the book and get on with my life. To be an evangelical means to be under the authority of the Word of God in all of our thinking and decisions, doctrines and behavior. We are under the evangel because we've come to Christ, we're yoked to him as he expresses his gracious rule through his words in Scripture. And it's easy, this yoke, he says, because it's not that we're under Sinai anymore. It's not that we're under the Ten Commandments. Rather, we are under the gospel of grace as his spirit empowers us and motivates us with a heart that longs to obey him in all that we do, which is why the church is really a hospital for sinners and for broken people like me. At the end of the day, what is church? but a group of people who've come to Christ, who are yoked under his rule by his gospel of grace. And what that means is we are a people who apply the medicine of grace to all of the strain and problems and pain and sin of life. We want this to be a church where people feel able to say, I am struggling, or able to say, I've done this in my life, without fear of condemnation, so that the medicine of saving grace can be applied to our lives together. So the consistory um, has been looking at some of these things with spiritual counsel. And what we're going to be doing later on is thinking about some of the changes we've made in order that this gospel of saving grace uh, can be as clearly taught and applied corporately to the life of our church family. But there's the first thing. Who are we? And the answer is, we are a people who have, who have come to Christ and to his saving grace. It's such a privilege, isn't it? Seconds, who are we? And the answer is, over in Matthew 28, we are a people who, having come to Christ, now, now go out with the gospel for Christ.
These words in Matthew 28 are really Jesus' famous last words. And I'm always interested in famous last words. Uh, Churchill's famous last words, as he died, I'm bored with it all. Oscar Wilde's famous last words as he lay dying in his room, I hate this wallpaper, one of us is going to have to go. (laughs) Or General uh, John Sedgwick, just moments before a Confederate bullet hit him in the left eye, killing him instantly, they couldn't hit an elephant from here. (laughs) Well, Jesus' famous last words, Matthew 28, verse 18, He came to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. The great invitation of Matthew 11 becomes the great commission of Matthew 28. These are Jesus' marching orders for the church on earth. This is not an idea. This isn't the great suggestion. It is the great commission. And the mark that we are a biblical church, obedient to Jesus, is that we're going to be energetically engaged in this until he returns. In verse um, 18, to 20, we discover four great alls. Let's think about them in turn. First, all authority has been given to me, says Jesus. What that means is there is no limit to his authority. He is the Christ, the great king pictured in Daniel 7, who approaches God. He rules over all people in all places for all time. There isn't an inch of ground over which this Jesus doesn't say, mine. He is the ruler, and he is the judge who will return at the end of the age, and every knee will bow to him, every tongue will confess that our Jesus, that this King, is Lord forever. All authority which leads to the second all, all nations. Because if this king has all authority in the universe, then all the nations need to be brought into obedience to him. At the height of the British Empire, vast swathes of the map were pink, and you'd have sat in London at 1850 as a child of the empire, and you would have been taught how Britannia rules the waves. By 1922, which was the height of the British Empire, it covered a quarter of the world, 458 million people, and an astonishing 14 million square miles. The largest empire the world has ever seen, from Canada in the west, all the way down to Kenya, down in the south, over to Australasia, down in the southeast via Singapore and India. And it was said the sun would never set on the British Empire. But it has. So what about the rule of Jesus? Might one day his rule end? No, because he's the perfect king, raised from the dead, 
vindicated by the Father and given the mandate to rule the world forever in salvation and judgment and in the new creation forever. And what this means, if that all authority has been given to him over all nations, what it means is we have an urgent mission to engage with, which is to take the authoritative Jesus and his word to the nations. It's John Wesley. The world is my parish. And we assume this means get on a boat and go to Shanghai and do mission. Go. But the Greek uh, doesn't really mean go. Um, the Greek is actually in your going. In other words, in your everyday life, not just for the missionary in Shanghai or Beijing, um, for all of us, in your day-to-day -day life and in your going, make disciples. What this means is that we need to be a church that not only makes disciples, but we need to take it one step further and become a church that is energetic and active in making disciple making disciples. And everywhere is a great place for evangelism. We shouldn't be thinking this week, I wonder if this is a good place to do evangelism. Because if I'm in the PTA meeting, on the plane or factory floor, it is a great place for evangelism because that's a place over which the rule of Jesus extends. So we've done a lot of thinking as a consistory staff team and spiritual council, and we've identified that a lot of churches operate as what we call fortress church. Fortress church, it's like an impregnable castle, and the drawbridge is up with a moat around it that makes it really hard for you to get in. As we've reflected on the Great Commission, we've realized that we need to be really active in working out how we can move from fortress church, which is the default mode for every church, into being a church that makes it easy for the world to come in that they might be saved. And I know that some of the changes have been difficult, and I want to apologize to you for that, and also for the fact that we haven't perhaps explained them as best as we could, but that's what we're trying to do today. The bulletin has been changed. That wasn't a random decision. That was quite intentional. There were lots of good things about the old bulletin. But we just wanted to make this easy on the eye and accessible for the new guest, in love for them, that they might join our church and then be saved. We've shortened the service time. Again, because lots of guests who come to church can't, can't sit through long services. I've made a personal decision not to wear the Geneva gown and to get into the pulpits. Can I just say, in all honesty, my personal preference would be to wear robes and would be personally to preach from the pulpit. The reason I've decided not to do that is because in the current culture, if we want to win people, that puts a barrier between me and you. Uh, this makes it much easier for me to relate to people who come into the church family. And we've noticed that for no uh, reason in particular, that the demographic in our church is on the older side and everybody is precious. But we've got to work hard at reaching young families and the next generation in order to obey the Great Commission and pass the gospel on to the next generation. 
Jesus says the disciple are those who obey his word. Our next all, all teaching, all authority, all nations, all teaching. And this is where Lydes is great once again. The strap line that has been used for years is all of the Bible for all of life. I think that's really great. And it is an absolute miracle that this church started in the 1840s or 50s is still here proclaiming the gospel in a culture and a context where so many churches have abandoned the gospel. We give great thanks to the ministry of Pastor John and Pastor Armand before and to your eldership now and previous consistory chairman and elders who have done an amazing job of holding on to the gospel in an increasingly hostile culture. And can I just say that holding on to all of the Bible for all of life, holding on to the word of Jesus and ensuring that we're under his authority is going to become increasingly difficult and costly in the current culture. The point of attack is the word of God, the different roles between men and women in God's design. The Bible's clear teaching on LGBTQ and on identity. The Bible's teaching on the eternal realities of heaven and hell and on the uniqueness of Christ vis-a-vis -vis other religions like Islam. As we stand firm on the word of God in a woke and hostile culture, it is going to be difficult, but by the spirit of Jesus, we will stand firm for his great glory. All authority, all nations, all of his word, and then the last all, for all time. Behold, says Jesus, I'm with you to the end of the age. Literally, I am with you the whole of every day because the risen Jesus empowers us, his resurrection spirit is with us, he indwells us with his presence and power to fulfill his purpose. So where does all of this uh, leave us? Let me talk you through that. As a leadership then, we have been working really hard over the last five months, and I want to update you with some of the exciting things that we have uh, to think about today. In March, Consistory and Spiritual Council met for a joint leadership day. And we looked together at some of the big needs for our church family and how we might move forward and position the church for spiritual growth and numerical growth. Following that, each week over the last six to eight weeks, Consistory split into two working groups. Pastor Steve chaired one of them and I, uh, I chaired the other, and we uh, looked together at how we might lead the church in the most effective way. We identified a number of objectives. The first was moving from maintenance modes to mission modes, because the temptation for every church is to be on autopilot, and we want to make sure that we are really engaged in energetic mission. We talked about moving from trellis to vine. The trellis is the support structures that hold up the vine, but we need to invest 
in the life of the vine for growth. We talked about moving the congregation from passengers to partners, from moving from siloed and isolated areas of ministry to us being integrated together, and then from fortress church to open church as we pull down the drawbridge that more and more people uh, might come in. This has led to a conclusion that certain changes needed to take place. The first is that we need to strengthen our pastoral care within the congregation, especially to those who are spiritually and practically in great need, particularly the vulnerable amongst us who are precious to us. And the decision has been made, given his amazing gifts in this area, to free Pastor Steve up so that he can really be deployed in investing in that important area. We've reviewed the life of our growth groups, and we've been looking at how well we disciple, support, and train people. We've been looking at consistory and how it works and are in the middle of reorganizing its subgroups for better governance in the church. And we have decided to unite uh, under a new vision with an annual mission plan, which I'm about to talk about. As we drill down in terms of what we're trying to do as a church, in terms of coming to Christ, Matthew 11, and then going for Christ, Matthew 28, it occurred to us that we really have four key aims. We are aiming to reach, to build, to send, and support. We're aiming to reach the lost. That is critical. We're aiming to build the people of God pastorally. We're aiming to send workers into the harvest field for global mission. And we're looking to support each of those three things, reach, build, send, support. And what I want to do now is just talk to you about two areas before handing on to Pastor Steve, Pastor Michael, um, and then Jeff and Peter Martindale, who will talk to us about some of the specifics. But two exciting things that we've made the decision to take forward as we seek to reach build, send, and support. One of the big things um, when I was a candidate here uh, was how will you make sure the whole church is discipled? How will you make sure the whole church is trained? That kept being asked. And as we've looked at that, we've become quite excited by a, a new venture that we're going to be launching in the fall. It's called... Wednesday Central, and in the fellowship hall on Wednesday nights from 6 till 7.30, we're all going to be gathering in there for a meal, there's going to be a talk, there's going to be a chance for Q&A, and then in small groups around the tables with the same leader each week, we'll find pastoral care with a leader and his wife, and then a chance to pray together about life's issues. We're going to be uh, covering all sorts of topics 
at Wednesday Central Parenting. Um, how do you know that you're saved? Who is the Holy Spirit? What happened on the cross? The evidence for the resurrection, creation. How Christians should view the environment, understanding the culture, understanding the Bible's teaching about heaven or Islam, how to handle old age or retirement or suffering or pornography or marriage or LGBTQ, how to have a devotional, how to pray, how to serve the church, how to do evangelism, church history. It's going to be very exciting as we do that. Plenty of time for questions. The prayer meeting will then be once a month on that Wednesday track. And I want you to imagine 150 people in the fellowship hall having food together, hearing the teaching in a united way, and then a round table studying God's word and learning and praying together. I know what you're thinking. What about childcare? It's a beautiful plan because iBlast will be happening at the same time down in the gym and the youth room, which means we do have childcare because as they're learning down there, we'll be learning upstairs. Both parents can come and learn together, be trained and discipled. And the second and last thing I want to talk about is what we're calling our annual mission plan. As I say, churches are in one of two modes. Maintenance modes, a bit like a 777 plane on autopilots, or we are in mission mode as we climb. And we've thought long and hard about this, but we have made the decision to move to a plan for evangelism each year. So here's what it is. Starting in September, every year, we will begin the year with two guest services. So in September, you'll know that we begin the year, academically speaking, with, with two guest services where we can invite our friends and where the gospel can be really clearly explained. And then from there, what will happen is we'll start a Hope Explored course, which will run for three weeks. That then becomes the uh, Discipleship Explored course that will run for four weeks, which will then become the Partnership Explored course as people think about becoming members of our church. And we're very excited because what we're going to do is deploy certain gifts in the church and certain times in the year for other events. So there's going to be a Fall Fest in October. And we're going to get really excited about Christmas because we've got some great musical talent with Gary and the choir and Bob Bouguet and Nancy. So I've been working with them on how we can really make Christmas guest-friendly. We're going to have some music concerts. We're going to have um, an Advent workshop. We're going to have invitation carol services with some great Christmas music where we can bring our friends they say, hey, I want to find out more. And then, in January, the cycle begins again. Hope explored, to discipleship explored, to partnership explored. And then we hit Easter. And then there's more great music and more great events, which then lead people to say, hey, I want to find out more. And we launch the plan again. Hope explored in the spring into the early summer, becoming uh, discipleship explored and partnership explored. VBS, other events like that, great opportunities for us to lower the drawbridge, to invite people in, because our longing 
is that given that all authority has been given to Christ, all the nations hear of Christ as they're brought under his teaching, that the rest we have discovered in Christ is rest and salvation for them as well. I'm going to hand over now to Pastor Michael, first of all. Just a heads up then, it's to Steve, Jeff, and then Peter Martindale, as each of them put a little bit of flesh on the bones for us as we think about these things together. Michael. Okay, so we, um, as you've just heard, uh, have an exciting vision uh, for the next year, uh, ways that we can reach out, that we can build up, and then we can send out. That doesn't mean send away, but send out folks who, who have heard the gospel, have had their lives transformed by the gospel, built up by the gospel, and then are enabled to share Christ with those whom the Lord might have around them, whether that's at work or home or around the world. And, and so there are a couple ways that we're going to be doing this. Pastor Tony has already mentioned them briefly. I'll have Phil put the first slide up. And it's, it's just this, this progression of, of hope explored, discipleship explored, partnership explored. We're right now in the middle of a, of a kind of a, a test case, a pilot, if you will. Um, so um, we're, we're eager for Lydie's church to learn about Christ, to, to grow in, in their understanding of who Christ is, and then to, to understand how they can partner with one another as part of the local body. Incidentally, just a reminder that we have our new logo there, as, we, as you would say if you were working your way down to the bottom into the, that last circle, uh, which is to say it's the Word of God, which is living and active, and, and particularly fruitful, right? So, so it's this plan of reaching out through, through various programs um, in this Hope Explored, Discipleship Explored, Partnership Explored format. The purpose then, uh, you know, we'd say, well, that's the reaching. What, what about the building? Um, and so I'm going to have Phil go to the next slide. And that's to say we, we've recognized that we need loving fellowship. Not to say we have no loving fellowship, but, but we need times of intentional loving fellowship. Consistent prayer for one another, with one another. And, and we need teaching, regular teaching. It's, it's, in short, it's, it's easy for us to say, okay, I believe in Jesus. I'm good then, right? Uh, and sometimes we neglect what Hebrews tells us, where it says, day after day, as long as it's called today, we should be encouraging one another. And then we sometimes end it there, but the alternative is that our hearts are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's not something we want for Lydie's or for its people. And so uh, our, our hope, our, you know, our plan with Wednesday Central is that it would be a time for uh, the whole of the church to come together and to be built up, to be encouraged so that they would know how to, to live uh, as followers of Christ in a hostile world. And then finally, the, the last slide. And the idea is that these two, two plans work together, right? So that as people um, hear about Lydie's Church, come to, to visit Lydie's Church, get involved in the life of Lydie's Church through um, the kind of the reaching programs, that, that they then would get involved in the building programs, right? That, that, that people that have heard about Jesus at Hope Explored would then eagerly learn more about him at Wednesday Central and how they can live out that faith. And then in time, as folks are, are built up in the Lord, 
that they would in turn help run Hope Explored in, in other ways of, of reaching out. Now, I know at this point there's um, probably a lot of questions in your mind, uh, and certainly there are a lot of logistical hurdles that do need to be worked out. Um, please be patient with us. We are working on them. Uh, but I would also invite this as an opportunity for you all, if you have questions, come, come talk to us. Come talk to me. It could be that we have an answer to the question, or maybe it means that we need to find one and we wouldn't know that if you didn't help us. So please help us as we um, uh, seek to put all of the pieces in place so that we can you know, fulfill the scriptures as we are seeking to reach out and to build up. All right. Thank you. As you heard in the overview from Pastor Tony, we are really trying to be purposeful about the ministries here at Lighty's Church so that indeed we are equipping as well as sending and helping you grow in your personal faith and walk with the Lord Jesus. And if you'll show up that first slide, Phil, one of the ways that that is happening and is going to continue to be a part of the fabric of our ministries here is through the shepherding ministry. And that involves that, uh, a group of men who have dedicated themselves to become not only shepherds of this flock, but also men of God who want to help equip as well as take care of the flock here at Lighty's Church. So this shepherding ministry um, has become not only a vital part of this ministry, but we're hoping in the months ahead that it will grow, it'll become more effective in making these regular contacts, that we will indeed not only be shepherds who pray for our sheep that have been given to us, but we pray with our sheep as we make these contacts uh, to you as part of the flock of God. And then providing supporting resources, meaning that indeed there are things that will come up in your life that you may need extra help or guidance. We want to see our shepherds provide that to you or give you a resource that will help you in that area. If it's the area of managing your finances, if it's dealing with a particular issue within your family, uh, we want to grow up this ministry in such a way so that the shepherds of this flock will be there for you, to help you, to assist you, um, maybe even to provide you resources that will help resolve problems that you may be having. The second part, the next slide, is the pastoral guidance and visitational aspect of our ministry. We cherish you all. We love you. We want to see you continue to grow in faith. We want to see you bear fruit for the glory of God in your life, in your family life, uh, as you reach out to other people. And one of the ways that we're hoping through the pastoral guidance and visitation to help you in this process so that you can see that you are indeed a kingdom of priests unto God, that you have priestly roles within your family, that you have the opportunity 
to minister to the needs of other people that you may hear about or may be requested to help using your gifts and your abilities that God has given to you. Each of us as believers have been not only indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but given spiritual gifts. And every member is important to the body for its health, spiritual growth, as well as for its fruitfulness in sharing the gospel, not only among ourselves, but out into the community. So we're looking for that to take place as well. Also, uh, hospital visitation and follow-up. You know, during the COVID period, we sort of were not allowed uh, to go into the hospitals and uh, to actually make person-to-person contact. But now that's over, praise God. And we want to resume those contacts with our members and uh, our friends from the church as God gives us grace. And some of that will come personally from the pastoral staff, but also from the elders and those that are doing shepherding ministry. And we want to do a better job in hospital visitation, as well as follow-up of our members who may have gone through surgery, may be dealing with long-term illness, may be dealing also with um, conditions that are limiting their, um, their ability to even come to church uh, and to be a part of our fellowship each Sunday morning. And then as far as compassionate care and assistance, Uh, One of the things that is so important in this process is growing our folks up in faith who are dealing with these issues. And that means providing more opportunities for Bible study and for prayer, uh, both in the small group areas, but also in um, maybe daytime type of studies where people who don't drive at night and aren't able to come on uh, a Sunday morning, but can have another avenue for Bible study and prayer and worship, um, singing songs together uh, on a weekly basis. So please be in prayer with us. Um, We do not have this all completely worked out. Uh, We're going to need your participation, your help all along the way. So be in prayer for us. I ask you, And so that Jesus Christ will be glorified. He'll be lifted up. Uh, His church will be built up in faith. And that, Lord, by the Lord's grace, we will grow up together in all points unto him who is our head, even Christ Jesus. Good morning. In keeping in the spirit of uh, reaching, building, and sending, I'm going to speak a little bit uh, about sending and specifically about missions and the classical Christian school. As we all know, Lydie's has had a long and uh, fruitful history of supporting many gospel-centered missions who have impacted many areas and people throughout the world and many communities in our nation as well as uh, our local community. And I just want to assure you that we will continue our commitment to seek out and support uh, gospel-centered missions whose calling and work is to further the kingdom of God and bring souls to Christ just as we have in the past. A new area 
that we see for mission and an area full of possibility is the proposed classical Christian school, which we hope to launch in partnership with the people at Coventry Christian School in, in Pottstown. I know it's been uh, quite some time since uh, I've been able to share any substantive uh, information in that regard. Uh, a few weeks ago, the uh, steering committee met with uh, John Mark, the, uh, the headmaster there, and um, we discussed with him the possibility of partnershiping with uh, Coventry Christian School and um, he toured our facility and he went back to the board and the board, uh, uh, well, we told the board that we'd like to meet with them and they agreed. They uh, again came over here and we discussed with them the possibility of partnershiping with them. And, um, oh, I'm sorry, we have some uh, slides. Uh, that's the uh, facility that they have in Pottstown. And then they, toward our facility. And both times uh, that we met with John Mark and with the board, we had a lot of really uh, very good discussion. And uh, they seemed to uh, you know, be in agreement and uh, uh, you know, be, be uh, encouraged by uh, you know, our, our, um, our meetings. And at that time, uh, the board was scheduled to meet, I believe, the following week. They said that uh, they would uh, go back and, and consider it and get back to us with, with an answer. Um, shortly after that, we did receive a verbal confirmation, and um, we were waiting to hear for, um, you know, uh, a, an official uh, confirmation that, that, that they would be willing to um, partner with us and establish a campus here at Lydie's Church and also then receive further instructions as to how we would proceed. And, um, you know, time, time went by and we didn't hear, we didn't hear, and I'm, I'm very happy to say though that last week we did receive official confirmation from them that uh, they do want to um, proceed with uh, joining with us in partnership to establish a campus here at Lydie's Church. And um, that the, the next step is for us to um, develop a, uh, a, a, a proposal uh, regarding a, an official proposal of how we can um, partner with them. So starting next week, the, uh, the steering committee is going to resume meetings and we're going to uh, begin to work toward that end. We truly feel that um, the Classical Christian School is uh, a, a new and exciting uh, mission field where we can um, expand and develop, uh, where we can reach out not only to the children, but to people involved in the school, 
Uh, it's, it's an avenue where we can uh, expand our mission field to the community, the families involved, uh, reach out to people through uh, activities of the school and, and uh, possibly uh, bring more people into our family here at Lighty's. Thank you. Good morning. So Dana Gaiman was actually supposed to give this presentation. So I'm gonna ask for two things. Prayer for him and his family, and a little bit of grace, because I got handed this as I walked in the door. So, reach, build, send, support. As Tony laid out for us at the beginning of his presentation, that's going to be pillars of focus for us as a congregation as we move forward and able to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. The other gentlemen have made presentations according to those other areas, reach, build, send. Now we want to talk about the last one, support. As Tony mentioned, this is an issue of trellis and vine. Uh, those of us, um, some of us on leadership have been reading a book called The Trellis and the Vine, talking about how as a body of believers, as a church, we need to make sure that we're engaged in the work of the vine, the vine being the fruits of the Spirit, and reaching out and sending the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ out to the world around us, and make sure we have just enough trellis to support that work. And that's what we want to talk about right now. So, as a group of, of elders and consistory men in reviewing the roles that we have in our church, the needs that we have, and the, and the men that we're blessed to serve on our pastoral staff, we look at their roles and their responsibilities as they are, are right now, and in looking at that, and then keeping in mind what we want to make, our disciple-making disciples, we decided that there needed to be a little bit of reallocation of assets from a human resource position, so that we as a body are best equipped to go and complete the commission of Jesus Christ. So, in doing that, Steve's role is going to revert back to really what it was before we had the vacancy of the senior pastor. Oh, look, we have a slide. That's great. Um, didn't know that either. Um, Steve is going to be focusing on those issues of pastoral care, uh, visitations, care for shut-ins, counseling, the shepherding, the practical nature of care as we are to believers, not only to the congregation, but to the world around us, so that we can encourage the mission of the church in advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Michael is going to be making a little bit of a shift. He's going to be moving from youth and children in order to assist us in training, in evangelism, in discipleship, in helping with the, the, the full Wednesday ministry that we've discussed here, Wednesday Central, so it is as successful as possible in doing just what we've laid out in making sure that we are creating disciple-making disciples. So by doing this, it creates a gap that we need to fill. That gap is in how do we best care then for the youth and the children here at Lighty's Church from a pastoral level. And that's one of the things that we're going to be discussing. So in doing that, we know that we need to add potentially people to the staff to be able to create the best possible environment for Lighty's Church to grow and to attract people into our congregation so that we can introduce them to the love of Christ. We don't want to do that in a way that adds additional strain to our budget. 
So because of that, we, uh, Consistory has gone through a process of identifying areas of existing spending in the budget where we think we can reallocate funds. Now, as you all know, we're a congregational, we're, we're ruled by congregation. So anything involved in the budget requires the approval of all you fine folks. So it's not a decision that we can just make as elders or, or deacons. You have to hear this, see this, and approve this. To that end, in two weeks, we will have a congregational meeting at the end of the service, and it's going to be for the purpose of two things. One, and this is kind of simple, it's going to be for the review and the nomination of elders. Normally we do that in August, but since we already had to have a congregational meeting to discuss this stuff, it didn't seem to make any sense to wait until August to just have another congregational meeting. So you're welcome. You get out of another meeting. I knew somebody would thank me. I appreciate that. Always from the back. Glad to hear it. The other is to review those line items that we're going to be proposing to alter in the budget to reallocate potentially up to $37,000 on an annual basis in, uh, to enable the appointment by consistory of staff and pastoral care of youth and children. That is what we wanted to present to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Peter, for standing in very ably uh, there. Let me just say some last things. I'm conscious a lot of things has been said. Um, if you've got any questions, come and talk to Jeff or me or Pastor Steve, Michael, or Peter. We'd be very happy to chat to you. But a few things just to say. Um, let's be patient. Um, I'm conscious that there are lots of changes that are underway. Some people are saying we want more change quickly. To you, I say be patient. For other people who say, well, why are these things having to change? I don't understand. Be patient, because there are reasons behind everything that is being done. Be patient. Secondly, be prayerful. Um, let's, as uh, Pastor Steve said, be prayerful as we ask God to help us. Changing structures isn't going to do anything unless God is with us. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Be patient, be prayerful, be prepared. Um, the point is that an annual plan is now being launched, so we're ready to go for mission in the new year. Let's get excited about that and think about friends, neighbors, and co-workers we can invite. Be proactive. This strategy is designed to involve us all, so let's be uh, urgent in inviting friends and people to church. And then last, be partnering. What's going to happen is that various gaps are going to be identified where we need people to step up and serve, cooking meals here, helping with practical ministry over here. Be patient, be prayerful, be prepared, be proactive in inviting friends and neighbors, and partner with us. Steve.